The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Welcome to The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra with me, Tara Lockery Grant. This is the show where we take the best interviews that we have on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and feature them then here in RTE Radio 1 Extras and also The Lifestyle Show podcast in the areas of food, fashion, travel, living, motors, parenting, health and fitness. And we also look at a lot of career because often a lot of working parents are at that stage where you are looking after younger kids, you are looking as well at older parents and really trying to forge forward and make your path in your career and do it with a smile on your face in a way that you love and enjoy. A great time to do that is often towards the end of the year where you look at things in your job like job satisfaction, career development, remuneration, KPIs. Also, are you spending time updating your LinkedIn or your CV? Do you need to be? Well, I have lots of these questions and the man to answer them is right in front of me. And he would traditionally be introduced as a senior recruitment consultant. But um, Morgan Cubbins from Talent Hub is working on a new title. Morgan, you're very welcome. Thank you, Tara. And I'm delighted to be here today. The title is Chief Happiness Officer, which I know is a lofty title to to say in, in the Irish market. But I guess Talent Hub has given me the platform to deliver that to both my candidates and to our clients. CHO. CHO is for short. Yes, I like it. <laughs> I think it's going to catch on. When I joined recruitment three years ago, I had a reluctance to join the industry because it has and had become very transactional. And what I mean by that is it was just a passing of CVs across uh, across to your clients. Um, but today, I think there's people like ourselves out there that's helping to fix what is a very broken model. I think that's a really good. Do you want to explain that a bit more? So was it a case before where um, somebody, a company go, uh, goes, HR goes to a recruitment agency and says, we need three new staff members. Here's the job titles. Here's the spec. Go get them, Tiger. And then you'll get a bonus for everybody who's played. And this is a very punter view now, mm-hmm. as you can tell. And then there's a bonus given to the recruit, whichever recruitment person or company that places the, the, the new member staff. Again, traditionally, that's the model of what, what has been in place. But based on the the needs to get those bonuses, people in play would actually send whatever CVs that they, they had that day. They probably were running around trying to fill 12 or 13 different roles at the same time. So as a result, the quality went down. And where I think the attention wasn't given to was the actual job description itself. Um, from the HR side, they're very busy. And with all these new jobs, new titles that are coming on stream, um, I feel the attention hasn't been given to that brief. So that's the, f- I suppose, the first step is looking at the brief and making a difference and challenging that brief. I think that's a really good idea because, as you say, everybody's busy. So HR is looking after a lot of different um, jobs and roles in their day to day. But a job, the job, job description throughout the lifetime of that job, you as the employee, um, whoever is placed in that role, will often refer back and it's part of their contract to fulfil their role. They'll look back to that. That's their Bible. Their contract is based upon the job spec. So you're right. Do you then, instead of taking that on board now from a HR point of view, do you say, I'll work with you to develop that job spec? How does it work? I think the job description is a snapshot of what's there at that moment in time. The question I always like to ask back to my clients is what are the real KPIs that you want this person to deliver against? So if I'm to come back in here in six months time and say, 
okay, the job, we get what you're looking for here. This is on the job description. But what is it that's going to make this person successful? So I know I've delivered a good job, but also my candidate is knocking it out of the park every day. That's brilliant. And also, wasn't there a thing as well as if, for example, you placed somebody, a recruitment company, placed a um, an employee in a role, they would only get their commission if the employee stayed in the job for a certain amount of time. Is that still the case? It's still the case. It varies by company and by contract that you sign. Um, it, the standard would be something between three and six months. Um, and again, the importance of getting the brief right at the very outset brings it back to if you're good at what you're doing, if you're good at spotting the talent and challenging the brief, then you should never have a candidate walk away from a great opportunity three months in. That is great. Morgan, do you know, this makes complete sense. We're living in an age of mindfulness. We're living in an age of learning to look after our mental health. We're living in an age where there was a survey done, the continually surveys being done, but there was a survey done where and actually, Philip Boucher Hayes did a really good documentary on this on RT. I don't know if you saw it. Job and the, our role and our relationship with our work. And it's not all about remuneration. Yes, we'd all love to be wealthy, extremely wealthy and on six-figure sums, but that's a small percentage of the population. These are things that they that that people need: respect, feedback, um, compliments, yes. praise. So, how does how do you match an employee's expectations as well as the recruit? The, the companies? I think it's a great question and I think actually not looking at the money first what is this job going to give me it's actually where this job will, will bring me yeah. and what we see a lot is people join companies because of the brand they are but they leave because of the people that manage them so That's good. the thing I really want my candidates to interrogate when they meet our clients is to actually get to know the people because ultimately these are the people that you're going to be working with for 70% of your time. And the shocking stat that's just come out of the States is that 70% of the population in America are unhappy in their workplace. That's shocking, especially for America where they really do believe in... Love what they do. Yeah, they love what they do. Yeah, Wow. So for me, if you say bring that back on the 70%, why is that happening? Yes, there's drivers internally. It can be micromanagement, which is something we all don't like. But you've got to actually bring it back to yourself and bring it back to why did you take the job in the first place? How much time have you spent researching? And it's a question I ask my candidates every day. How much time do you spend on average a month researching on your career development? That's a really good question because I want to get to that. Okay, so talking of which, let's get to know you a little bit better just for people listening so that we'll go get go backwards before we go forwards, which is we love to find out how do you do what you do so well? Okay, so you began working in not recruitment. No, I'm a a um, self-confessed recovering advertising man. (laughs) Yeah, so I spent the best part of 15 years of my life in advertising, uh, both here in um, in Dublin, in some of the big media agencies like um, like Cara, Mm -hmm. um, Publicis Dublin. uh, And I Publicis, very good company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great company. Got to do amazing things. And I also got to spend eight great years uh, in the Middle East, in Dubai, um, having lots of fun running uh, the Perna Ricard account across the MENA region. Um, some people ask me, why did I come home? Yeah. But I'm a, I'm a father. I've got three kids um, and Ireland's home for us. And it's now great to see our kids, especially our 10 year old daughter, settled into school. Lovely. 
Um, I guess I was really lucky three years ago, completely out of the blue, I got tapped on the shoulder uh, by a recruitment agency. Um, and it was put to me by their MD at the time, who I'm indebted to now, had I ever considered working in recruitment. And why? What do you think they saw in you, Morgan? Um, honestly, I think advertising, the qualities of advertising, of getting things done, um, integrity, building relationships are amazingly transferable over to recruitment. And that lady is a very clever woman. She obviously saw those and took, I believe, a bit of a, a risk in taking someone that was on a career path. So to me, they talk in America about the pivot. I mean, my family were questioning me. Wow. Um, but again, something I'd like to talk about later is having a mentor. At that time, I had a brilliant North Star to go back to and, and run this past me because I'll be honest, my wife worked in HR and she thought, my God, wow. recruitment, are you are you mad? Um, but for me, it, it, it's turned out to be the best decision of my life. Morgan, you're a grafter. I know a little bit about you yes. and I've uh, done a little bit of homework and you're, you're a grafter. So this wasn't, no matter what you put your mind to, you were going to put your mind to it full on. Also at the Shark Awards, mm -hmm. the Irish Advertising Awards, um, I, I covered part of them uh, one year, uh, emceed part of the awards for them one year. And yes, so many of those companies that you mentioned were represented and their advertising campaigns. So I would have known little bits of, of uh, you and mm -hmm. your colleagues um, over the years. So advertising is a very different game to recruitment. But as you said, those basic skills that she saw in you, what was it that made you go, yes, after what, 18 years working? Almost 18 years. Um, again, I'm going to bring it back to people. So it wasn't, it was a small but up and coming recruitment, Irish recruitment agency called Next Generation. I knew, knew nothing about him until I Googled him online, but it was actually the CEO, the person. I could see the belief and passion. And to me, those things are huge enablers. If you can see the belief and, and again, going back to having a mentor or almost that North Star. So for me, if she was willing to take the risk and I could put all my preconceptions, which is another thing you should leave at the door about recruitment, then I felt that this was worth worth the chance. What about finances? Uh, you know, how big, of, or, you know, you're a dad of three, you said. And what about that? Was that a big Absolutely. Carrot? Absolutely. But again, I want to bring it back to the money question. Yes, I, I have to provide for three kids. Um, paying a mortgage, we all have to do that. But I think if we can get a certain point in our life where it's not just about delivering the daily grind, that you can see a pathway to a job that will give you look I, on Sundays I love going back into work I mean who can who? how many of us can truly say that on the Monday for a second I thought you meant on the Sunday I was like what yes on the Sunday yes. you don't feel that's going I, back to school I, feeling I don't get that what yeah. do they call it the fear yeah um, so to me the difference in salary yes I, to answer your question sorry Tara I, I certainly took a took a hit yeah. um, from doing that but am I happier now? Am I actually making a bit of magic happen? Yes. Okay. Now tell me that your day to day. Uh, let's to get find okay. out that magic. Give us a little bit, an insight into your day to day. And has that changed much from your previous? <laughs> I've the pleasure of working in what I call the human to human industry, which means I I, like I, I get to work with 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 people. Yeah. Um, so my typical day, as I think we said earlier, I'm an early riser. I like to get into the office first thing to kind of clear out the cobwebs and get the emails done. 
And from about eight onwards, I'm meeting people. Wow. Um, try to keep those meetings to 45 minutes to a half an hour. But what's brilliant about that is you're learning, you're getting a different perspective. Um, and for me, what I've especially learned since I've gone into recruitment is the practice of active listening. So instead of which is what we're perceived to be as, as these kind of salespeople, if you just shut up and listen, that's when you actually learn these amazing things about people. I agree. Right. So you do that. You're having your 30 to 45 minute sessions with people throughout the day. Then this, these are people you might place in the future, is it? And and also companies. Yeah, there, there's always a mix. And what's beautiful about our business is if we can if we can make that difference to, to someone's life, even incrementally, added a little piece of value and they pass that on. Um, in often cases, they will refer us to clients. Brilliant. Um, because I do believe this old methodology of code calling people to death is is a broken model. And we actually, uh, as a as a rule in our agency, we banned code calling to everyone. And when I tell that to clients, they're nearly falling off the chair. But why? I, our team have to have a reason to, to call someone. I don't want to. Do you want your day uh, interrupted by a code call these no. days? Um, so that's going back to the value add. So meeting people all the time, you're learning, you're learning about different organizational structures, you're learning about different trends. And then I feel we imbue that back to not just our clients, but also to our, to our candidates as well. Okay. So you meet with people now, okay, we've come out of a really difficult period. You know, we've had the crash, um, we've had the, the boom, then the recession, and then we're slowly clambering out, but we're weary and we're tired. How do your meetings then with um, potential future employees, candidates, what do you call them? Great question, (laughs) because in our industry, they're they're given this terrible word called internals. (laughs) Trust me, uh, from some of the women in our office, when I started using it in Talent Hub, it reminded of something that was happening in the hospitals when they were (laughs) delivering their babies. That's a terrible name. So I did a lot of reading. I I looked to the States for kind of inspiration. (laughs) Sorry, that's awful. And it is. Look, but uh, I, I couldn't get out of the habit of saying it. So I said, I need to do something about this. So. Did, I followed a lot of what the, the private equity f- firms were doing because they're dealing in this high performance, high intensity environment. Um, and, and their big thing was peak performance. And how, how and what are the enablers that get you to this peak performance? So then I, I, the name was born. It's now a session. Oh, so if you're that's what you call those times, yes, the meetings and what and then do you call the people that you might place in the roles candidates? No, they're people. They're <laughs> essentially people. Uh, the, I suppose the only difference is the, the people we work with um, have minds and they, they change their minds and they've, they've got partners. So as part of the way our session has been designed, we're trying to in 45 minutes learn so much more about them. So again, the traditional routine would have been, I guess, to almost interview them. In in some cases, grill them. Look, the person coming in that door is already a bit nervous if they haven't done this. It's a massive step for them even to be in the room with us. So I've turned that on its head, which is bringing it back to a simple question. And that is, tell me that moment in time 
when you were delivering that peak performance. Brilliant. Now you wrote a blog, you have your blog. Where can people access that actually, Morgan? That's just on the website. So if they just go to talenthub.ie, you'll find all the blogs. And it's great because I read it. It's the peak performance one and it's connected to sports performance. I really liked it. Do you want to give us that in a summary? Yeah, so if if you look at it, and I think Usain Bolt is probably the best example that we we can relate to. He trains like the guys down in, in Skibbereen, like a dog. Day in, day out, if you've seen any of his documentaries. Yet, three to four times a year, he needs to perform for 10 seconds. So Yeah, I really liked that analogy. So done of it, like, there was so a study done. Yeah, there was an amazing... Pull like a dog. Yeah, pull like a dog. There was an amazing study done then by Harvard University 20 years ago where they took the best learnings from athletes and how the drivers around them to deliver this peak performance. Because when you look and work, for us to be happy and for us to perform, you need to be at your best almost all the time. So if I can identify where my people have delivered that in a deep dive session, then we can start looking at the drivers. And for me, I'm doubling down on these questions when I meet my clients. So I can truly go back to, again, the people I've met and say, I've matched the drivers that you now need to deliver that peak performance. That is brilliant. So give me an example. We know you saying for his for his sport. Give me an example in a practical type of company that we can all imagine people working in in Ireland. Yeah. So for me, I suppose a definition of peak performance. Yeah. Yeah. For me, if I could relate it back to advertising life or in a marketing position where you've got lots of balls in the air, you've got lots of stakeholders needing things to get things done, yet you're coming into work every day. And yes, there's challenges and yes, there's things you don't like, but, you know, you're well able to deliver them. And not only are you able to deliver them, but you're able to do it in a proud way, something that you can walk away from that day and say, that was a good day. And then what's really important is being able to go home to that personal life. So in my case, my three kids and actually forget about the day and spend that quality time and then go again the next day. You're very calm, right? Do you do do you have tricks? Are there meditations? I mean, we love we all anyone who's ever listened to Tony Robbins or any inspirational speaker and motivational speaker will find things. And obviously meditation, it's so big now. We talk about it a lot on here in the Lifestyle Show for it's on Jimmy Kimmel. Once it makes the mainstream, you know, these are things that we cannot ignore. Confidence building tools. What are yours? I was really lucky and unlucky. Um as part of my journey in 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 advertising, I, I burnt out. Um, Did you? Yeah, yeah, and look, it, it's a it's a factor. It happens a in, lot. In We've the, covered it on the show a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not a nice place to be. No. And the first thing that actually suffers is is your personal life. Yeah. Um, and I tried lots of things. Who doesn't? So what happened? So for me, and it was during my time actually in Dubai, where I think when you don't have that ecosystem of the, the complete family around you, you do get all consumed about work. And so for me, it was just simply, I went, I got too passionate about my client, which was Bernard Ricard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was amazing. They they trained me as a whiskey ambassador. I was flying around the, uh, the region delivering whiskey tastings. It was great fun, but eventually it led to stress, sleepless nights. Um, I, I guess even... For on a personal level, um, not giving enough attention to to my to my other half, yeah. um, 
And I guess when you're not sleeping, that's probably when you're at your lowest and most vulnerable. Um, So eventually, after trying a lot of different techniques, um, again, I believe things happen for a reason. And it was a TED talk. um, uh, Andy from Mindfulness was was the guy that just from Headspace, from Headspace. Yeah, just changed my life about five years ago. It didn't happen overnight. And I think in the beginning, I tried too hard. And I think that's that's it's like anything, a quick fix. But now, five years later, I I bring and I suppose going back to the chief happiness officer, if if I'd like to be known as one thing over time in in my recruitment journey is that I'm a mindful recruiter, that I think about the bigger picture in terms of what I'm dealing with someone's future, their their actual career, so that if I can tell them that I, I really know what my client wants, then I feel that I'm going to add a lot more value. But I always bring it back to me. There has to be a zero sum. And and to me, if I'm stressed or if I'm having even today before the interview, I was practicing mindfulness out in the in the reception and it was great. It just gave me five, 10 minutes of my own time to do it. So, I mean, there's lots of other stuff if we've time to go into. But for me, the number one th- thing would be the introduction of something new, which was mindfulness. Now you are, as I said, you work long and uh, are dedicated hours. You love what you do. And at the end of the day, you and your company are successful and you're making a lot of money, which is very important as well. Obviously, it is a business at the end of the day. When do you have time to meditate? Uh, When do you have time to be mindful? I know you said you you stole some moments there, which were great. You're already up at a quarter past six. Mm -hmm. Where do you get fit in this time? Lots of different places. Uh, in the beginning, it was actually I used to take the bus to work. So brilliant. Um, and I, I came back from a beautiful country where there was no public transport. Everyone drove everywhere. And my wife was slagging me about you're going to be on the 15 again. How are you <laughs> going to handle that? And I just popped the earphones in 20 minutes, arrived into work still at eight o'clock. But I was ready for the day. Um, and it's about the routine as well, because you think, OK, if I miss it in the morning, I'll do it on the evening commute home. It it never seemed to work like that. It's it, for me the trick was getting that that early morning routine built okay. in. Okay, and now you're on the bike. Please tell me you're not meditating. No, on the bike. no. But I think what evolves is that you bring it to everything in life. So even if it's just before you're going into an interview, I ground myself. Um, a, a massive thing I've started to really focus on now is when I get home from work, and maybe play a game of chess with my seven year old, or which I love, do some drawing with with my my 10 and five year olds. So it's about actually involving now and not just me. And and I think that's that's been the critical learning I've got from it. Brilliant. I knew we were going to run out of time. This always happens. Now, your mentor, what advice do you have for in all areas, actually, for us, for those of us, how much time should we be giving to our career in between job hunting? Should what sort of maintenance should we be doing, including mentorship? Okay, every great candidate I meet has a mentor, and it doesn't have to be a living mentor. It you can look at some of the great people that have inspired nations, not just that are living today, because a lot of people push back and go, "How could I get you know Michael O'Leary to be my mentor?" It doesn't have to be that person. It can be someone that's just accessible or someone that you can go online and follow and and watch what they do. You mentioned Tony Robbins. There is just so much information out there. For me, I've mentors in many places. I've my dad and and God rest his soul, Mm -hmm. but he's always there. I have 
people I've worked with before. I've got people in work today. But back to the more important question, I believe, is if you can allow two hours a month, even two hours a month, to properly research, and I don't mean looking at job specs online. I mean actually researching the companies, the things you're passionate about, then I believe you you will build a proper career path that will lead to your happiness in the long term. Great. What sort of resources do you recommend people to drive them to? Obviously, it depends from industry to industry, but even to start. So let's say someone's listening to you now in this podcast and they're like, love it. Oh, here we go. Where do I, what do I Google? Where well, do I go? I, I, I'd stay away from Google and I'd meet people. Okay. Um, networking, push yourself a little outside your comfort zone. There's so much going on in Dublin. Like, I love it. There's so many great, cool events. A lot of them are free. Get on to meetups and meet. go out and meet people. If you enjoy that, the best and single most th- best thing I did from personal development was joining Toastmasters. I love Toastmasters. I love the idea of it. I think it's yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. You're just, you're contributing, but you're actually developing yourself without even knowing it. So I would say, yeah, you can do the research, but really back to what I work in, which is human to human, get out there and meet people. Irish people, people in general are so generous with your time. You've just got to ask them. Did you do it? Absolutely. I, it, and it's about pushing your comfort zone. In the in 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 my job, I'm lucky enough to attend probably three to four events every every month. And I've I was a three year went on a three year journey with Toastmasters. Wow! Now with three kids, you've maybe think you've enough for a little while. I I don't look at it like that. Yeah. Um, I think another key thing that's really helped me grow was someone told me ten years ago, your your job isn't the nine to five. You should actually look at it more than that. What and what do I mean? It could be simply listening to a business show on the weekend, a podcast. Just last Saturday, I watched one of the best uh, TED Talks uh, of my life. And the first thing I did on Monday was share it with all my my candidates and people that I know. And it's just it's it's that piece. It, it, it's going a little bit more and not looking at the job as just in at nine, gone at five. Do you know what, Morgan, if I had to sum up, first of all, I want your chillness and your calmness. So that's going to work a little bit more in my mindfulness. Then also your graft. You work really hard and you make it look easy. You peak performance and can get tying that in with mentorship and doing two hours a month and getting out there and networking. And that's just for starters. So if people want to get in touch with you. Yeah, quite simply. So we're on Twitter at at Talent Hub News. Honestly, for me, I'm always on LinkedIn. It's a great platform. I think people don't use it enough. They just need to pop in Morgan Cummins. Thankfully, it's a quite unique name. You'll find me and I will get back to you. And it's Morgan with a G-A-N. G-A-N, that's right. And then our website where all our blogs are. So that's Talent Hub Ie. Morgan, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you for your time, Tara. So that's it for the Lifestyle Show for this week with me, Tara Lockery Grant. You can find out more on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the Lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. And we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra.